Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome back to the Red Sox Recap Podcast, the podcast from the Holy Monster Podcast Network, where we recap the series that just ended, preview the series that's about to start for the Boston Red Sox. Uh, I am your host, Keaton DeRocher, joined for this episode by uh, Bob Osgood, fellow OTM podcaster. You normally hear him talk about other stuff, but joining me today, filling in for Bailey Von Schneider. Bob, how's it going? Great, great episode to fill in for, so Thanks. Yeah, thanks for, uh, this happened last year too, you brought me in after like the worst series of the year, so we'll keep the trend going. Appreciate you having me on though. Yeah, thanks for helping out. Well, hopefully, um, if that is the trend, at least we got it out of the way early. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, I can't take too much more of that. Yeah, yeah, no kidding. All right, well, let's dive on in and um, get this over with. This frustrating series here against Toronto, four-game series, game one, Nathan Valdi versus Jose Barrios. Nathan Valley had himself a nice little start there. Seven innings pitched, five hits, two earned runs, no walks, five strikeouts, and then was unceremoniously yoinked, head into the eighth, where Matt Strom gave up two runs and, uh, well, I mean, he was charged with two. Uh, Tyler Danish was also charged with two. Uh, they combined there um, as they gave up a uh Game-breaking grand slam to Bo Bichette in the eighth. Um, that really kind of just really deflated everything that the Red Sox had going for themselves. They had tied the game in the top of the eighth. Jose Barrios had uh, really kept the Red Sox uh, in check all the way up until the eighth um, when the things kind of started to fall apart. They were able to tie the game. Uh, Evaldi, all the momentum going their way pulled bullpen blew it uh two hits for bobby dahlbach though uh 
that was pretty much it, though. Uh, everything else kind of just scattered throughout uh, that game for the Red Sox. Um, the big talk, though, as we mentioned, Evaldi got pulled. Matt was um, quite livid on Twitter. I don't know if you saw his reaction. I did. Uh, I was wondering if you were feeling the same. What did you feel about Evaldi getting pulled? Do you think that was the right move? Did they go in the right direction after him being pulled? Just uh, what was your reaction to that move? Uh, no, no, no. I think when, like, in the playoffs, when Evaldi gets pulled at 72 pitches, I'm pissed off then, but I kind of can understand <laughs> it because it's the playoffs. When he's rolling and the only two runs he's given up are solo home runs and is it 72 pitches through seven innings in April against the Blue Jays, I just, I think it's inexcusable. And that's your ace and it's not like you're asking him to go 120 pitches um it's not the first start of the year you know he's been out there a few times at this point and not only to pull Ivaldi but then to go to a you know Matt Strom okay but then they're gonna bring in Danish who was basically a, a COVID replacement I think so you're looking at your 16th 17th pitcher on the staff at that point against Bo Bichette in the eighth inning and the base is loaded. I don't know. That's not how I would have drawn it up. No. It also seems like, uh, I mean, I'm with you. I thought that was too early for Rivaldi, especially after they, they had all the momentum back on their side there. Uh, but it also seemed like they pulled Strom too early too, right? Like he had given up two hits, but had gotten one out. Um, I still would have preferred him to Danish at that point, even – uh, you know, having allowed a couple base runners, it still felt like he was the better option there. Um, obviously, hindsight's twenty twenty. Didn't work out. Was yeah, just yeah. really surprised that was that was the, an early pull for Strom, uh, who then got credited with the loss. I was a little bit baffling. Seems like they were, it was too cute, too early. Yeah, and, and looking back, and you know, Robles didn't throw. On Sunday, you know, I, it just seems like this this is the biggest batter of the game. And uh, I, I think you got to go with someone with more experience in a high lever- leverage situation against the heart of the lineup if you are going to go to the bullpen. Um, you know, just and, and like you said, you just fought back. I mean, in the top of the inning, there was Dahlbeck and Arroyo had singles and they knocked Berrios out of the game and they had a bunt and then Kike got a single and then a sacrifice fly from Verdugo. And it was just, it was good baseball. I don't think they played bad baseball at all during this series. You know, they weren't making a ton of errors or base running mistakes. It was just in this game, in my opinion, a poor decision. And in a couple other places, a lack of execution. Yeah. How much of an effect do you think, or, or, or I guess kind of tying it into Alex Cora not being there because of COVID, do you think that plan was talked about ahead of time and it was just um, a hard no on Evaldi not going through the third time through the order? Uh, and so that was just Will Venable executing that plan? Or do you think that was, um, you know, Venable going through the, you know his feel of the game and, and feeling like he, it was the right time to pull Evaldi? It's hard to know. You'd probably think that Cora wants to give him some leeway you know hey yeah you're there you've got a feel for things I trust you that that's a type of, of manager that Cora is in general 
think he kind of leaves things up to his players in certain situations. And so I, I don't think that they're scripting the entire game. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, you have to think, all right, we're going to, here's who we're going to and high leverage, low leverage ahead behind, um, and then make kind of the, the micro decisions up to Venable would be my guess, but they're going to, they're going to cover, uh, themselves after the game either way. And I think they talked about Danish having a good sinker and wanting to throw that to Bichette. And it's just, I don't know. I, as mentioned, I, I think that there were, there were other options and, and some that were rested. Yeah, for sure. So Red Sox drop game one, game two, uh, another heartbreaker. Uh, pitching matchup there, Nick Pavetta versus Kevin Gaussman. Uh, Nick Pavetta went four and two-thirds, two earned runs, four walks, six strikeouts, only three hits. So he was a little bit um, bit of a mixed results, uh, better results than he had previously had. So maybe he's trending back towards uh, being a bit of his old self um there um red sox broke it open a bit in the eighth uh we're trailing two to one scored four runs in the eighth to go up five to two uh then three runs off of deekman to tie it in the ninth and then george springer walked it off in the tenth tough loss six five um nick pavetta though um, it's been a topic of discussion here with his mechanics and getting the feel for things going to start the season. Um, a bit of a mixed bag, but things, I guess, overall looked better. Where are you at with Pavetta after this start? Yeah, I think he pitched better. I thought the curveball was very good. He threw some great ones throughout the game. Um, it was tough to watch in that he kind of would have some bouts with control issues and he and Vasquez just couldn't get on the same page the whole night. They were, they were using signs. They were using the pitch calm. They were having conferences. They were trying to use their cards and go back and forth and the pace slowed down. And it was just kind of a combination of kind of control and seemed like communication issues at times. I thought the, there were three innings that Pavetta pitched really well thought he pitched well the last two innings in the start before so there's something that you can build on here Um, but you still look at it it's 98 pitches uh four and two thirds and he was laboring in a couple of those innings so I wouldn't say that I am super confident coming out of that outing but you know he still deserves another couple of starts even though his ERA is at 8.27 I think that you know he'll face Baltimore this weekend and hopefully that's a start that that he can get through five or six innings and build off of that to become, you know, the number four type of pitcher that he was last year. Yeah, I think the strikeouts were a big improvement and kind of I think that to me shows that he was he, you know, built on the success that he had the last couple innings in his last outing because they were nowhere to be found. Yeah. Uh, before uh, and that really kind of uh, righted the ship the last two innings and he was able to keep that going only Three hits kept that really limited. Uh, needs to figure out the walks, but overall, uh, I was happy with the progress he was able to make. Obviously, a, a tough loss, but was able to keep the Red Sox in it for those four and two thirds. So, um, just hope he can continue to, to build on that progress. Um, on the bats, Bogarts three hits, Vasquez two hits. Bottom of the order, uh, struggled again. Uh, Fourteen men left on base. The Red Sox another tough one there. 
uh, for the bullpen after Pavetta, Sauramura, uh, Austin Davis, Ryan Brazier, Hansel Robles, all with uh, scoreless outings. Uh, Barnes credited with the loss um, with an unearned run, uh, and Strom closed it out. Game three. Bit of a better result for the Red Sox here. Seven to one win. Pitching matchup Michael Waka versus Ross Stripling. Michael Waka, six innings, four hits, only one run, two walks, five strikeouts. He now has an ERA of 1.77 on the season and a solid six inning outing here. Um, Bob, uh, we have talked a lot about Michael Waka here on this podcast topic because we talk about every single game. So we've talked about every single one of his starts. Um, <laughs> I didn't think you were going to get anything from him coming into the season. Um, I know that he had success over the last like 30 days of the season last year, uh, but there were still some red flags and underlying uh, success that he had. So he still a lot of hard contact. Um, this is kind of an incredible find here. Uh, and his ability to hold down a spot in the rotation right now, um, given everything else that's going on with this team, yeah, uh, this is pretty big. Uh, what are your thoughts on Waka, and how confident do you feel with him being in the rotation right now? I thought it was telling that they gave him about $7 million, I think, after he was making four or so the year before. So coming off a season that really you look at the, the full numbers, he had a bad year. And they, he ended up making almost double what he did the year before. Um, but then, as you said, you, you dive into the last, I think it was eight starts, he had seven really good starts when he had ditched the cutter, right? And he talked in the offseason that he wanted to bring that pitch back, but some of the changes that he was making wanted to stick with those. And it's the changeup that has been awesome. Um, he got, out of the 15 swings on the changeup the other night, eight of those were whiffs. And he only got two whiffs on the fastball, but eight of those on changeups. And he's locating it well, and he's throwing it, um, you know, about 30% of the time. And that's always been his best pitch, but I think using that more, he's mixing in the cutter and the curveball a little bit, but he's focusing on a fastball that topped out at 95 the other day and just a really good changeup that seems to have separation. And, uh, yeah, I think, like you said, it's a good find. I if you had to ask me, you know, which pitcher is going to get dropped out of the rotation or how long will Waka be in there, I thought he might have ended up in that Garrett Richards role. And he still could, but in the second half of the year, that would have been my guess. But right now, he's been as effective as anybody. And a lot of their games have been during the day. So I haven't been able to sit down and just watch a Waka start from, from start to finish. And it was good that they played a night game this week to be able to see every pitch and yeah, I came away impressed and, and definitely have a, a different opinion on him. And he just, he threw with good pace. He was, he was working quick, uh, working fast. And uh, I think that just makes a huge difference that compared to Pavetta the night before, they were a lot more on the same page Wednesday. Yeah, ranking one through five um, in terms of like the, who, which ones of the starters I trust um, coming into the season. He was fifth for me. Sure. Um, he might be number two behind Evaldi right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, um, it's he's he's convinced me that much here in just these was it four starts now. Um, I'm bought in that you're gonna get 
a really solid outing and he's going to give you a chance to win um which is not what i was expecting at all so i'm i thought between him and hill hill was going to be the one that lasted in the rotation longer i don't think that's the case anymore so hopefully we'll keep that that good luck rolling uh game three seven one win for the Red Sox. Game four today ended just a couple hours ago. Another tough one. Uh, Red Sox take the loss one to nothing on an unearned run. Uh, Garrett Whitlock got the start versus Alec Manoa. Garrett Whitlock goes three innings, four hits, an unearned run, as we noted. Uh, two walks, two strikeouts. Manoa went seven innings, three hits, zero runs, uh, one walk, seven strikeouts. Really had this uh, Red Sox offense on their heels. Um, not a whole lot to say about this one. Only four hits for the Red Sox. That was Verdugo, Devers, Enrique Hernandez, and Arroyo. 11 men left on base. Uh, bottom of the order. Big old black hole once more. Um, Bob, what can the bottom of this order do to kind of shake things up? Is there anything on the current major league roster they can do, or is it is it time for Casas? Do you think that would give them the jolt that they need, or what in your mind, if anything, can they do to fix this? Yeah, this is really tough, and it's a complicated question. Um, I think the first thing they can do is, you know, I hate to say it, but I think Travis Shaw's time has come and go. Uh, the bat is so slow; it was apparent the first week of the season. It hasn't changed. It's got the old zero 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 triple slash line that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's tough. Yeah, that's as tough as it gets. Um, but I wouldn't say that Travis Shaw is the problem. I just think that you know the the name I think of if if they don't think Cassis is ready, you know, I tend to think he might be up in a month or so, like maybe June first. Um, they could bring up Fitzgerald from AAA, um, who has hit quite a few home runs and has played all over the diamond um, played a little bit of first base. He's more of a shortstop, but he looked really good in spring training. I think pop four homers there and has had quite a few hard hit balls early on. That's just a I think they, it's not just the lineup. There's not a whole lot of thump off of the bench either, but yeah, you look at this Enrique's hitting uh, 194 and Bradley 173 and Dahlbeck 161. And, then they ended up giving Bogarts a day off today, which I understand. You need to do that early in the season. You can't look at this as a must-win scenario. We haven't really talked about Bogarts yet. He's hitting 392. He had three hits on Tuesday. He had four hits on Wednesday. So he's not the problem. Devers hasn't been the problem. But, yeah, it's four through nine or five through nine, depending on on the game. And they're all in the ones, every single one of them. So... What do you do? They've already shook up the lineup once, putting Story at the top and moving Enrique Hernandez down a little bit. The Dahlbeck thing is tough because I truly am a Dahlbeck uh, believer, but not the version that we're seeing here. He just he's a he looks a little bit out of sorts mentally. Um, looks like he's made kind of some swing changes back from what he did last year with his leg lift, and he's just he can't put the ball in play. He had a good game on Monday, and I, and I actually thought that that would be a catalyst for him um, because he hit three balls hard on Monday and had two hits, but then it was right back to strikeouts and big situations. And um, 
I don't know. I don't know that there's anything on the current roster other than these guys are all very good hitters. And we saw it last year. And maybe the Baltimore Orioles is what they need. <laughs> well, let's hope so. <laughs> um, before we get into that preview, who um, who's your MVP of the series? <laughs> uh, I think it has to be Xander Bogarts, but you're welcome to choose whoever you want. The, the only other thing that I wanted to make a point on this series was with Diekman on Tuesday night giving up the three runs. I loved how Cora put him right back out there on Wednesday to throw him for an inning and get through a few batters um, and get his confidence back because the way that, you know, they, they pitch well today, but there's been kind of some ups and downs in the bullpen. It's a committee. And until they trade for a closer, which I hope they do, they're going to need all these guys late in the game. And I really liked how he looked on Wednesday. So in terms of core coming back for those last two games, I was kind of happy with the way that, that he was managing those games. It just didn't work out on Thursday. They couldn't get the key hit. Yeah. Don't like to give the MVP to the opposing team, but when you get beat three games to one, uh, George Springer hits in uh, three of the four, multiple hits in two of those, plus the walk-off and a spectacular diving play defensively. I'm going to go George Springer. Yeah. I was thinking Red Sox MVP, which probably is nobody. So, (laughs) yeah, it's got to be a Blue Jay after a series like that. Yeah. All right, uh, we'll take a quick break, come back, and preview the series against the Orioles. All right, you are up to the minute. Standings, the American League East. The New York Yankees are in first place at 13-6. and six, Half a game ahead of the Blue Jays at 13-7. and seven. The Rays in third, 11-8. Red Sox in fourth, 5.5 back at 8-12. and 12. And the Orioles, 7 back at 6-13. and 13. Hopefully this is the perfect time uh, for that Red Sox offense to wake up. This is exactly what the doctor ordered. We have pitching matchups. Rich Hill versus Kyle Bradish in game one. Nathan Avaldi versus Chris Ellis in game two. That may be an opener. That one's still, I guess, potentially TBD. And then game three, Nick Pavetta versus Jordan Lyles. Uh, how do we feel about those pitching matchups, Bob? Yeah, so I'm looking forward to seeing Bradish have, uh, you know, I know that Grayson Rodriguez is the big AAA call-up, but you have to think they'll probably do that um, after the Super 2 deadline and not burn any arbitration or service time or anything like that. So Bradish kind of seems like, uh, all right, we're going to bring up one of our other prospects to start. He's 25 years old, but... uh, has been great in all three outings at AAA this year as a 1.20 ERA and not really walking anybody has 10 strikeouts per nine. So, you know, he's kind of been a fringe prospect, but that's somebody that you have to, you have to jump on this guy, right? (laughs) In his first start. And this is where the breakout needs to happen. I think if, if this kid comes up tomorrow and uh, dominates the lineup with Bogarts back in it, and um, then we might need to sound the panic alarm. Other than that, I don't think that Chris Ellis or if it's an opener, if it's Keegan Aiken and Spencer Watkins and Jordan Lyles and, you know, these are the bulk guys that we're looking at on Saturday and Sunday and they should tee off on each and every one of those pitchers. Um, So, you know, with John Means out, uh, unfortunately has Tommy John surgery, 
there really isn't anyone in that rotation. I think Zimmerman's a decent pitcher. He pitched in the Yankees series. They're coming off getting swept by New York. This is the time. They got to turn it on now. Yeah, this has got to be the get right series. You know, we just had a bunch of real tough series in a row. Toronto twice, Tampa Bay in there. We're getting the toughies out of the way. Now this has got to be the, all right, take a breath, straighten yourself out, get ready for the rest of the season here. Yeah. Yeah. Um, lineup that the Orioles are rolling out. Cedric Mullins leading off. Anthony Santander, Trey Mancini, Ryan Mountcastle, Rugnig Odor, Austin Hayes, Ramon Urias, Robinson Chirinos, and Jorge Mateo. Um, nobody is really doing much of anything for this lineup. Um, Austin Hayes is their best hitter, um, who hasn't done a whole lot. Two homers and a two seventy nine average after that. A whole lot of nothing. They've hit uh, eight two. home runs this year. Yeah. Yeah. Santander leads the team with three. He's also hitting two twenty two. Uh, Cedric Mullins, last year's breakout star, hitting two oh five, two thirty six with Trey Mancini. So not only should it be get right for the bats. But the pitching should not have too much of a problem with this lineup that they're rolling out there either. Yeah, and they, they don't have a – you pretty much touched on everybody there, but they don't have anybody hitting over 250. Uh, they have the least home runs in the league, I think, lowest slugging percentage. Um, you know, there are some hitters. Uh, Mullins, Mancini, Santander, yep. Mountcastle. You know, these guys can hit. Uh, and part of it might be that they brought in or, or pushed back the fences at Camden Yards. It's going to be a different game there this year. Oh, we yeah, haven't seen right. that. About that. <laughs> 20 feet back and higher fences. And and we've already seen what the, the baseball is this year that appears to be deadened a little bit. So it's going to be a different Camden Yards than, uh, than we remember. Um, and the Red Sox haven't hit a home run since last Friday. <laughs> so something has to give here yeah. with these two teams. Um but yeah, not not a super imposing lineup. What is your series prediction and prediction for MVP? All right, I just can't, in good conscience, uh, predict a sweep right now after what I've seen. But I will pick <laughs> the Red Sox two out of three, win a series, get a little bit of momentum. Uh, anything short of that will be a, a great disappointment, and. I will go with Nate Ivaldi uh, on Saturday, hopefully. Seven home runs given up this year, um, but hopefully as a kind of a get-right game with the home runs and can go seven innings or so and get things things straightened out because I, I don't expect Hill to go too deep into the game on Friday. I think they really need some, some length and uh, definitely need a W on Saturday with that matchup. Yeah. I think they're really annoyed. I'm going to go with a sweep. And I think Bogey keeps his hot streak going and just has yeah. three awesome vintage Bogey games. <laughs> and just I can see it. Awesome series. How many three-hit games does he have this year? Seven, eight? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, well, that's going to do it for us. Thanks for listening. Uh, we have a bunch of other great pods on this network of the Over the Monster podcast that Matt and Brian do. Uh, we have the, the Red Seat podcast that Jake and I do. We have the uh, Socks on Deck pod, which... Um, Bob, you do with somebody? Yeah, yeah. Shelly will be on there. And uh, we had a episode earlier this week that Matt and Jake uh, joined me for. So we're going to do that more on maybe monthly to twice a month basis this year. But Shelly will be on there. 
Awesome. You can find both of us at Over the Monster. You can also find both of us on Twitter. You can find me at Spoken Keats. You can find Bob at Bob Osgood15. Thanks for listening. We'll be back later in the week to recap the Orioles and preview the Angels. Thanks for listening.